Hello, my friends. Welcome to a Tuesday afternoon session with Bill Allen. These are our Facebook classes. Glad to have you joining in. Hoping that uh, you are receiving this all right and that you are having a good day. Again, these are Facebook studies on Tuesdays and Thursdays that we've been doing all year long in 2023. I can tell you that I'm excited about the 2024 studies. Yes, we're going to do them. And we're going to uh, go through the Bible in a whole year. This past year, we've looked at a devotional book, two books actually, that go day by day. One is from Oswald Chambers that we're looking at today, My Utmost for His Highest. And on Thursdays, it's been a book specifically on the Psalms. We've gone through, uh, let's see, today on Thursday, we'll be looking at Psalm 139. But uh, throughout the year, uh, we've used the book by Tim and Kathy Keller on the songs of Jesus and uh, taking daily devotionals from the Psalms. And we're going to be um, doing that uh, on Thursday. We'll look at Psalm 139 and then finish that out next uh, week. But I did want to let you know that um, I'm excited about, about what's ahead. And that is that we're going to look at the Daily Bible in chronological order. And that will actually be uh, based from a, a book, uh, a Bible by that name, the Daily Bible in chronological order, edited by F. Lagarde Smith. I actually have uh, 11 copies of that that uh, I we were able to get at the church for $20 a piece. So if you're close enough to get to the church building uh, or see me at church uh, on Wednesday night or Sunday, uh, or send me a text message or a call or a Facebook message and want one of those, let me know quick because they will be gone. Uh, but I do have 11 of them. And if you miss those, you can get it at most any bookstore, at, especially this time of year when they're in demand for daily Bible reading, New Year's resolution groups. But also you can get them online, of course, through Barnes & Noble, um, through Amazon, uh, through Mardell and other Christian uh, book suppliers as well. So hello to my friends, Cindy and Eric. Wonderful to see you. I saw you across the way on Sunday uh, along with Lucas. And I uh, hate not getting to talk with you, but glad to have you along uh, for these studies. Uh, again, on uh, Tuesdays, we've been looking at Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest. And I do need to tell you that uh, next week uh, I will be off. So actually, this is the last uh, uh, lesson for this year on the Oswald Chambers book. I will be here on Thursday and might send a little devotional note or two next week sometime. But uh, uh, have some vacation time. So taking some time off and uh, hopefully uh, that will be a great, great uh, study for us to take together uh, next year in 2024 as we go through that other study. Today, however, again, is uh, taken from my utmost for his highest. And um, as we finish out this study uh, this year, uh, there are a couple of lessons that I want to share, and they have to do with um, uh, faithfulness and um, with biblical authority, really. Um, Oswald Chambers has a chapter based from, and the scripture he uses is Romans 8.28, which is one that a lot of people know, and that is, um, God works all things together for good to those who love him, to those who are called 
according to his purpose. I've used that passage a lot, and I've come to believe that uh, faithful to the original, I think anyway, uh, is that God is the subject. God works. All things are not the subject. All things are the object. God works all things out for our good, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I think that's a significant differentiation to make. Uh, because not all things that happen to us are good, but God can work all in all things that happen to us. And I believe that very strongly. I, I don't always like it. <laughs> don't always agree with him. But I do believe that that is exactly uh, the truth, even in difficult circumstances. Uh, Chambers writes, we take our circumstances for granted, saying God is in control. But do we really believe that? Do we really believe that? When bad things happen, do we really believe that God is still in control? There's a great Twyla Paris song, in, in fact, entitled that, God is in control. It is a wonderful song. It's a wonderful statement of faith, uh, even when things are in their darkest of times. Um, Chambers writes, we act as if the things that happen were completely controlled by people. And before you say, no, no, Bill, I understand. I know intellectually, rationally, we do. I do too. But do we really believe that? Emotionally, inside our hearts, inside our minds, do we really, do we really believe that God is still in control even when it seems like um, things are far beyond his reach? Um, our loyalty is to Jesus Christ. It is not to our circumstances. It is not to our situation. And so when those things fall apart, we still have our Lord Jesus Christ to call on. And we know, again, in our minds that he is there, but to feel that presence and to acknowledge that presence and from our deepest soul is uh, quite another thing. Sometimes those unfortunate circumstances and difficulties we go through are certainly a test of faith, and they, they help us to see exactly where our trust lies. I think that was the case with Job. Uh, Job asked, Satan asked the question of God, does Job serve God for nothing? And he challenged God, who was bragging on Job, to Satan. And uh, God, uh, Job, uh, Satan says, look, if you take away the blessings that you've given him, the abundant blessings you've given him, he'll curse you to your face. And in two sets of difficulties, uh, God challenges uh, that statement of Satan. And in doing so, he challenges the faith of Job. But Job holds on and comes through. He repents, yes. He thinks he went too far in, from reading the speeches of Job in the book of Job, which I think is the power in that book. It certainly seems like he did. But God is uh, God blesses him at the end. In fact, brags on him once again, this time to his friends, and says, you should have uh, uh, approached me honestly like my servant Job did. Uh, we don't always know what God is doing. I've, you've heard me say it before, even in these Facebook lessons. I said it again in our class on Sunday. Our Bible class was looking at the life of Joseph in the Old Testament. And I've come to believe two things about God. I believe that he exists. I believe there is a God. And I also believe that I'm not him. And if I truly believe that second part, then it's okay for me not to understand why things are the way they are. It's okay for me not to get exactly how God is acting or why he is not acting. 
as we've gone through the Psalms this year, we've seen that time and again from the psalmist, honest worshipers who prayed honest prayers to God when they felt like things were awry and God wasn't acting, they, they expressed that in prayer, but they held on to the one who was the Lord. Uh, and so this is when we, our faithfulness is tested in those difficult circumstances. Um, and uh, that can be the hardest thing we do is holding on to Christ when things are rough. But I can tell you firsthand and from looking into the lives of so many faithful others through the years, including right here today at Wisterwin Church of Christ, I can tell you that that's when faith is really faith. Anybody can believe when everything is fine, when you're healthy and whole, when your family is well, when there are no problems, relationship problems, when there's money in the bank, when your political leaders win, um, whatever the situation, that's everybody can believe in God during those times and should and praise him and, and appreciate. That's a, that's a life of gratitude when things are going well to still trust in God. But the question is, what happens when they're not? Do we turn away from God? Do we blame him? Do we, by our actions, do we express a faith that really doesn't believe that God is in control of all those things? Uh, we can be faithful to our work, Chambers writes, faithful to serving others or to anything else. Just don't ask us to be faithful to Jesus Christ. Many Christians, he writes, become very impatient when we talk about faithfulness to Jesus. But see, here's what he says. The goal of faithfulness is not that we will do work for God, but that he will be free to do his work through us. Uh, we, we don't know every, all, all things about God. And so that faithfulness comes when we trust him. That's another word for faith, and that is trust. He expects uh, that we will trust him even in the darkest times, and he is faithful, and he'll be there for us. Uh, but he is God and we're not. So that means we're not due an explanation from him for how he wishes to use us to accomplish his purposes. And, uh, and, and that's hard. And when that happens, then we, we have to lean on that faith that says God is present even when it doesn't look like it or when we don't feel like he is. Uh, but what about the other side of that coin? What about when our experiences are good? when we go through something that we think is very powerful and we 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 feel like that's a, a huge uh, expression of the presence of god i think those things are wonderful but i think they can also be used by satan to cause us to turn away from the word of god the bible and look to those experiences that we have as god's revealed truth uh, chambers writes some very strong things about this part as well he says, my experience is not what makes redemption real. Redemption is reality. Jesus did die on that cross. He was raised from the grave. I did believe in him. I did turn away from my life of sin and repentance. I did confess that faith. I was baptized into Christ. I was, in the words of Paul in Romans and in Colossians, I was raised to live a new life. Um, that is what my redemption is based on. It's not based on the good experiences I have or even the dreams that I might have these days. Um, God takes me beyond myself and my experiences and he identifies me with Jesus Christ and he places me 
adds me, in the words of Luke in Acts chapter 2, adds me to his body, the church. 3,000 were added that first day of Pentecost in Acts 2. And so Chambers says, and I think he's exactly right, my experiences are not worth anything unless they keep me at the source of truth, Jesus Christ. Well, what does that look like? Well, he says this, never support an experience which does not have God as its source and faith in God as its result. If you do, your experience is anti-Christian, no matter what visions or insights you may have had. And with that in mind, I want to share a couple of scripture passages from Colossians chapter 2. Colossians 2, first of all, verses 6 and 7. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness or gratitude. He goes on and talks about exactly how we receive Christ by dying to sin, as Paul says himself in Romans 6, and being buried with him in baptism, Colossians 2, verse 12, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Well, receiving Christ Jesus as Lord is more than just praying a simple prayer. It's more than just saying, I believe. But the response of faith includes repentance. That's what they were told in Acts 2 when they asked specifically, what must we do to be saved? The answer was repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Receiving Christ Jesus as Lord includes that whole response of faith. And, and uh, what Paul does in Colossians 2 is what he does everywhere, and that is go back to our baptism and call us to live according to that baptism, to live with newness of life, the new life in Romans chapter 6, uh, to live with through our faith in the working of God here in Colossians 2. But then he gives some warnings in Colossians 2 as well. Verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Well, I tell you, if there was ever a line or two that is so important in today's 21st century American culture, it's, it's that one. Don't let anyone take you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Don't trust in anything that takes you away from your dependence upon Christ, but rather go to him. And what about, what about if somebody comes up to me and says, yeah, but Bill, I had this vision. I saw this, I had this dream. I, I saw this uh, incredible uh, vision of, of what God wants me to do in my life. Well, I'm going to direct you back to the Bible on that one. I can't prove or disprove that that came from God, except if it affirms or contradicts God's word in the Bible. Because if it contradicts that, then it's not from God. No matter how wonderful, how spiritual, how it made you feel, those things don't compare to the inspired and authoritative word of God. Don't believe me? Well, hear what Paul continues to say in Colossians 2. He says this, Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head. 
from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. You see, when people come and they tell me about this wonderful vision they might have had, or they, they say, I've seen an angel and he told me this or that, or I had this dream and it really made me feel like I need to do this or that. Well, how do I know if that's the Holy Spirit or not? Well, I can tell you this, read your Bible. If what you experienced is consistent with the teaching of scripture, then sure, I would attribute it to, to God and to his spirit. But if it contradicts what's in the Bible, then it's not to be received. Paul says to the Galatians in Galatians chapter 1, using the strongest of terms, he says, even if we or an angel from heaven should tell you to believe some other gospel than what you have believed, let them be cursed. Wow, that's, that's pretty strong because I can tell you, if I was sitting in my living room or in our church auditorium and an angel appeared, I'd be impressed. But if he told us to do something other than what the scriptures teach, even that angel is to be accursed. Chambers says, is Jesus Christ Lord of your experiences or do you place your experiences above him? Well, that's, a, that's a solid question. Is any experience dearer to you than your Lord? Is any experience more important to you than the teaching of the Bible? God's inspired and authoritative word? Our experiences can be very subjective. They're based on emotion and feeling sometimes, or they're based on circumstances of life, and they can't be trusted completely. What can be trusted is the word of God. You must allow Christ to be Lord over you and not your experiences, which may or may not go along with what he has said in his word, the Bible. There will come a time when God will make you impatient with your own experiences, and you can truthfully say, I don't care what I experience, I am sure of him, of Christ. Uh, we sing the song every once in a while, on Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand taken from that great story that Jesus tells the parable in Matthew chapter 7. Uh, we're sure of Christ. We're sure of his word. And we realize we are human beings, and so we're continue, continuing to grow in our understanding. But that's what Peter tells us to do. At the end of the second letter of Peter that we have, 2 Peter 3, uh, verses 17 and 18, verse 18 says, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Why is that so important? Because that's the only place where we can find his will and his word, and that is in scripture. Um, Chambers finishes this section by writing, be relentless and hard on yourself. If you're in the habit of talking about the experiences you've had, question that, he's basically saying. Faith based on experience is not faith. Faith based on God's revealed truth, the Bible, is the only faith there is. Well, I think he's right about our faith needing to be based on God's word rather than our experiences. Sometimes that's going to be great and consistent, sometimes not so much. But Jesus has assured us that even when times are the hardest or when they're great, he's going to be right there with us. And I hope and pray that this coming year in 2024, that you'll go with us on this journey, reading through the Bible. Um, the Daily Bible edited by Eflagard Smith is a wonderful tool, the best one I know of. 
But there's whatever you choose. If you read three to four chapters of the Bible a day, uh, at least three, you'll read through the Bible in a year. And if you get on another Bible reading plan or have another chronological study Bible that you might use, it doesn't matter to me. None of that matters to me. You don't have to use one at all, but you can still hang in there with our studies next year and be able to uh, help us and as we go through Scripture, as we consider the great themes of the Bible, starting in Genesis 1, um, one week, uh, two weeks actually from today. So I hope and pray that you will feel blessing. I pray if I don't see you on Thursday or this Wednesday night or this coming Sunday here at West Irwin Church of Christ, I hope and pray that you will have a wonderful and blessed Christmas and that the new year 2024, in spite of how crazy it sounds like it's going to be, that you will feel God's presence close to you and that you will keep your head and your heart in God's Word, the Bible. God bless, and I'll see you on Thursday.